Many challenges faced in the nonprofit sector can be universal across geography and mission area. In under-resourced areas of the country, there is a unique set of additional challenges rural leaders face. Welcome to the nonprofit experience. I'm Sandy Sear, Managing Editor for the Philanthropy Journal. This week, longtime friends Randolph Keaton and Sean Maynard discuss what leadership looks like in their rural communities. Hey, I'm Randolph Keaton. I'm Director of Men and Women United for Youth and Families, and we're a nonprofit organization located in Delco, North Carolina. And I'm basically having a conversation with my friend, uh, Sean Maynard, and I'll let Sean introduce himself. My name is Sean Maynard. Presently, I am the mayor of the town of Bolton, North Carolina, population 695. And um, we are in Columbus County. We are tier one county. Um, I, I came to work for the town of Bolton in 1998 as a program director for the Bolton Senior Youth Center. What was once an old ABC store has now been transformed into a hub of vital resources oh, for senior citizens, youth, dislocated and displaced workers, all of whom are at risk in our town and county. So that's my passion, working with people. Mm, well, thank you, Sean. Um, you can tell a preacher coming out of him <laughs> we get started. Um, I, as director of Men and Women United for Youth and Families here in Delco, um, our organization shares similar um, concerns about our communities, same barriers, you know, it's almost mirror in, image uh, uh, of each other. And um, so I've known Sean for a little while, um, but I think this opportunity, maybe Sean and I can talk a little more about the work that I do here in Delco. Um, we both have relationships with the North Carolina Rural Center in Raleigh, and which has been a great opportunity for us to bond outside of, uh, of Columbus County. So um, with that, uh, Sean and I get to talk a lot about the issues, uh, which are similar, and also get a chance to talk about how we could work together. Community engagement has always been a challenge for me. So, Sean being the preacher, I'd like to ask Sean, just based on his passion, the passion I see in him every day, can we talk a little bit about community engagement and what that looks like to you? Um, well, since you put it out there that I am the preacher, and I would be remiss not to say that I am the pastor of the Gospel Harvest Church of God in Christ, okay. one of the greatest churches in North Carolina, let me say that. Um, uh, my passion for working with with people and bringing uh, people together has been, it's been wonderful. I, uh, my background is in nursing and I used to be a home health care, uh, primary care provider for a, uh, a company here in Columbus in Columbus County and also was able to go and work in Durham and it allowed me to be in and out of people houses all the time and so I met all kind of people and their families and so when I came to work for the town of Bolton that was one of the things that I brought with me my ability to bring people together cultures and uh, and uh, back other backgrounds bringing people together to work one of the first things we've done when, when I came to town of Bolton, we didn't have any resources. We didn't have any programs or anything. It was my job to bring programs there. 
And so what I did was I brought senior citizens because I knew all of the senior citizens. Um, we brought them together to a round table and we would do a lunch around about, around uh, lunchtime. And we brought covered dishes. And we talked about the needs for our um, county and our town. What we would, you know, I did an assessment. What, what did the seniors want to see? Because the town had named the, Bol the um, center the Bolton Senior Youth Center. Yeah. So yeah. we needed to know what the seniors wanted. Right. We needed to know what their youth wanted. Right. And I incorporated those dislocated and displaced workers because right. in 1998, that was the year when all of the industries start folding and right. leaving. Why even apparel left and um, well, several other factories. Du DuPont. DuPont and, oh my goodness, and um, uh, several of the sewing plants right. left during that time. And so people were in uh, 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 uproar about what they, what they were going to do, new careers. And so um, my ability to partner and to find the partners that were going to match for us, that's, that happened. That was one of the good things for us, that I knew how to go and find partners. So I partnered with Southeast and I partnered with the Columbus County Health Department. I partnered with UNCW and um, other um, agencies that came to bring resources to, kind of, to help us to meet some of those um, needs. So um, it's not easy. People working with people in 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 uh, rural North right. Carolina, right. it's not an easy job. You just gotta you just gotta be strategic in your planning and how you. But you've got to realize that even the person that you don't want around the table right. may be the person that you need around the table. Right. They may help you to <laughs> to meet your goals and so. You know, I had an incident where I became mayor the first year. So the first thing I wanted to do was clean up our park, our community park there in Bolton, family-friendly parking in, in the 70s. I remember when our former mayor, who was Edith L. Green, she's 99 yes. years old, powerful woman yes. in her own right. And I remember when they brought that, um, brought all of those resources. We had, we could check out uh, tennis balls and we could check out uh, tennis we even had a tennis court yeah. that was second to none in the 70s. And so I remembered her hard work. I remembered the dedication that she put in to getting us a park. And I have to say that we destroyed it. We, that my, that my generation, destroyed the park. Mm -hmm. um, not knowing, not understanding, but we, through years of, you know, in time, we, 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 we let our park go down. So when I became mayor, I thought, well, what we'll do is make, we'll clean up our park. We're going to close it down. We're going to renovate it. We're going to make this park a family-friendly park. You can have your kid's birthday party out there. You can go out and just spend time, read a book. That's the type of people that we wanted to attract. And in doing that, we, we closed the park by saying it's under uh, reconstruction. That's what we said. I think reconstruction was the word. And I got calls from all out of state and everywhere um, asking if the town of Bolton and its leaders were not concerned about um, the youth. And my heart just went to racing, but I had to remember to calm down because I knew what I was doing. And so they, um, the people that called said, um, y'all do not uh, y'all are not concerned about the youth and the one thing that the youth did have was a community park. You all are not doing anything for our youth. And I have 
three big yellow buses dropping off kids in the middle of the town Monday through Thursday, mm -hmm. and we call it the Bolton Safe Haven. <laughs> safe Haven, amen. A safe haven for your kids ages 6 to 14 to come, and we will provide a an enrichment program. I'm talking 4-H, pledging their head to clear it, thinking their heart to greater loyalty, their hands to larger service, their health for better living, for their club, their community, their country. And their word, world, but we're not doing anything for you. Oh, man. And it was the people in the town yeah. that said that. So I couldn't get mad. I said, maybe I need to become more visible. Right. You know, maybe I need to put my program out there that people could understand and know exactly what we do. Mm -hmm. Maybe make sure, you know, maybe be intentional, intentional. about mm -hmm. putting that program out there and talking about what we're doing. And one thing that I've learned out of the 20 years that I've been in this nonprofit sector, timing means everything. Everything, everything, <laughs> brother. I guess we, you and I have similar circumstances where you, you know, one minute you're having a great event, you got all these, you know, people from the community who are your movers and your shakers, and then you got the youth and you're trying to celebrate and you're trying to bring information to the town, you're trying to bring pride, and, you know, and it turns out well, and people are patting you on the back, and we got folks, funders coming from across the bridge, and, you know, and they want to help you for that moment. Then the newness wears off, and then we're back to business as usual. So you and I spend a, an exorbitant amount of time selling ourselves to people. And um, one of the most disheartening things to me is going before a group of folks who are funders. I've had experience where I went uh, before a group of funders. There was about probably 20 people around some tables. We submitted a grant proposal, so we had to go in and talk about that proposal and what we were going to do with the money and, um, and, you know, the outcomes. And we were so, I had some of my board members get off work and travel 30 miles to be there. And we got there and got around that table. And so they said, like, well, you're wrong. So we got up and, of course, my passion itself, just, just the passion just came out. So I'm just talking about, you know, what we do. And it just, it got to a place where time was up. You couldn't say anything further. You couldn't finish your point. So they, you know, politely said, thank you for coming. And, you know, usher you out the door. And they said, well, we'll get back with you. So um, I felt like our time was not valued like their board's time was. Because I had board members to come as well. And because we're rural and we're having to come all the way to Wilmington. That was just a challenge for us. So, needless to say, we've been before that group three times. The last two times, we were invited. So, you know, you, that leads you to think, well, maybe there's some hope in this. But we were denied again. And so, to myself, I said, I will never put myself nor my organization to that for the amount of money that they were going to um, offer to us. And... That's when you have to kind of take a step back and, like you said, don't take it personal. 
because you have to see the value in the work that you're doing. Because if you don't see the value in the work and you're trying to explain it to other people, they ain't going to see it the way you see it. There's going to be a, a, a political agenda. I don't know. I don't know those folks on the those boards, but what I can say is I don't think they know us either. They're not from Columbus County, so their agenda may be a different place. And they're just polite and nice to us. So I just think we have to do our homework. We have to get to know what that uh, funder's about, who they're going to fund, and basically why they're funding who they're funding before we set ourselves up. Because writing a grant that takes a long, exorbitant amount of information, it takes you know, maybe a whole month to do what they need to do and then to get kind of like denied and then tell you you're like one one um, application away from being the one that was chosen to make you feel good. So um, so my experience is similar in, in terms of being somewhat passionate about this work that we're doing and hoping that we'll get a fair shake. But we have to be able to tell our story. And I think recently as a result of the hurricanes, right? Yes. We've had to look at things a little different. And so, Sean, talk to me, you know, put that other hat on again um, about, and this is one of the other things I love about you, is how you operate in crisis. So talk a little bit about the crisis part that you experienced, and then maybe I can kind of follow up with a little, what my experiences was being a disaster relief organization in that same vein. So we um, found out through through the news that um, we were going to be hit with Hurricane Florence. And so what I did in in my community was begin to pull agencies together. We're small. We're rural. um, And uh, the biggest thing that one of the greatest assets is our churches. And so what we did, we have a community um, cert team, community emergency response team. So... The mayor says, pull them together. And so the mayor and me pulled the, the CERT team together. And I said, even if this hurricane does not hit us, what we'll do is we'll use this as a training, a planning, a time of planning and training. And so we uh, brought the group together. And uh, what, they, what they did was whatever we got from our 911 center over at Columbus County, uh, whatever information we got, we tried to be intentional about making sure the community knew. Yeah. So when they opened up our sh- uh, shelter, which was the Columbus County, which was East Columbus High School, when they opened up the shelter and they asked everybody to move out of mobile homes and uh, double wise or whatever, if it was not, you know, if they didn't feel safe. Mm-hmm. And what what the CERT team did was went out immediately and posted up you know, that information and went to those houses, as many houses as we could reach. And we always um, told them, tell, you know, look out for your neighbor. That's right. Look out for yourself first, then look out for your neighbor. Um, the, the, the pastor in me says, pray. Say tomorrow before the storm comes, That's right. call your community together. Just put the word out. Was that when it was that when it was a category projected to be a category five? Oh yes, oh yes. So I, it's call, uh, put out the note, put the information out in the community, and say at high noon, meet right in the town square, right in the in the middle of the town. I believe in the power of prayer, and so we brought people together 
to come to pray. That was so, um, I mean, I can't even explain how that was. There were senior citizens that didn't know what they were going to do and, and um, caretakers that were taking came to take care of their family members because, you know, one of the oldest ladies in our community, she's like 99 and, you know, she her daughter came to take care of her and she was like, she was hearing all this information and felt so by herself. But when we called the prayer together and the people hugged one another and they supported one another and they loved on one another and they made sure to leave and to give out the information, right. go to the shelter, mm -hmm. be with someone. Yeah. You know, don't do, don't, you don't have to be by yourself at this time. And so with that, with the storm coming in and all that took place, I mean, um, I think I stayed at the center which is that senior youth center that I've been talking about. I stayed there the whole time. Yeah. I was like um, Joseph. I put my family away privately. My wife and my kids had a nice warm place. They had lights the whole time. And I was sitting up in the center like with no lights. <laughs> and one, day, one day with no water. It was, it was incredible. But I mean, after that, after the storm had um, ceased and we were able to you know, kind of make an assessment mm -hmm. and found out that we had people that were in our area um, that were stuck there. They couldn't go to Wilmington, couldn't go to Wife, couldn't go to Lake Welcome. Mm -hmm. They were right here in both, and the community came together. And that brought it all back, all 20 years, because I knew they could do it. Right. They came back, and, and they, the community provided food. We yeah. worked together. We took food in. We had grills, and before the food spoiled in our freezer, hey, we knew what to do. Look, I want to interrupt you for a second. Go ahead, go ahead. Now, uh, one thing I like about what Sean was doing, not only was he taking care of his community, he gave me a call and tell me to call this certain person because they had resources coming in, and we were sharing resources. Now, one of the things that we forget sometimes uh but what Sean and I have learned is through our experiences with the Rural Center, for oh, yeah. example, and a lot of the resources they provided us, that they share with us that we any experience that we have uh, in terms of funding and working together has to be a regional or multi-county uh, effort. So if we're just operating in a bubble in a town that has about 600 people, 500 people, what would it be like if we all three, four, five, six towns kind of got together and pooled our resources. And I think that was some of the things that I saw from Sean that some of the other mayors, other city officials could tag team on. So when we start talking about telling our story, I love how organized some of the um, efforts were in terms of distributing resources, right? People weren't fighting. They weren't, you know, of course you got some people that's going to you know, take more than they need, but you're going to have those. But by in part, I think we all were very organized. And see, when we tell our story, we want to be able to tell our story to a place where you have this black communities and, you know, very diverse areas in which we live, all working together, all being on the same sheet of music. But when somebody said, like, who do they need to talk to in Bolton? It's Sean. And I've had the luxury of being designated as a leader in my community. So people say, well, what do you need? Well, go down. If you're in Delco area, Riglewood, see Randolph. And, and what they're doing at Men and Women United for Youth and Families in terms of distributing resources, um, being in the know 
a lot of times, even if I don't have the resources, sometimes I know how to I um, know who to send people to to advocate for them. So about this work that we do, even when you're in a disaster, right? We want to be able to say like you know lessons learned. So that's why Sean and a group of us, we, we got together and we just started to say, well, we're going to tell our own story. Like, how do we prepare for the next storm? What, what worked and what didn't? So we're doing those kinds of things to be proactive. And we're learning now how to uh, um, be the leaders that we need to be for our own community so that when resources are available. And I think that's why Golden Leaf, for example, Oh, yes. has uh, has been able to say, well, look, I'm going to look to Tyler Bolton and men and women, United Feeding the Families, as those organizations that we can pour our resources into so they know that they're going to go to the right places. And there's some, some level of accountability. So now that's another sort of subject that we have is uh, accountability. Like um, if they're doing it over there, are they just looking after their people? I think we do we make a more of a conscious effort to make it not about our own people. We even have our people to sacrifice some of the stuff that they would ordinarily get to share with other communities so that it seems like it's a community effort. We had so much more as I look back at it now. Back in the 70s and 80s, in these small rural towns, than we have now. And we had, you know, we, I mean, just, just things that we had as kids that we valued, you know, but now that we don't have them. So are we taking a step backwards in some cases? Yes, I would say so. <laughs> I would definitely say so. That's a hard thing to, that's a, to me, that's a hard thing to, to think about, because yes. I, I got, I'll have seven grandchildren soon, I have five now, wow. and two on the way. So for me to think now as a 57-year-old man, grandfather, father, that the, the life that I lived back in the 70s and 80s, the best times ever, that we're going backwards instead of forward, Yeah. and what does that look like? And who's going to come to our rescue, Sean? I have no idea. My, my concern is um, the Lord has such a sense of humor. I have a six-month-old, and I'm 51. And um, I have a seven-year-old. And so I really feel like, okay. He was called so to this work. I'm called to this work. But now I'm called to Wake County, or I'm called to to some of those major cities yeah. so I can make sure that my children get uh, uh, um, get an opportunity to have a better education. And, you know, I'm looking at, you know, when I go to Raleigh and the, the resources that are available to youth there, whether they take advantage of it or not, I'm looking at that. I'm looking at my child who um, uh, is in is in now in second grade at, um, at, my, at the same elementary school that I was that I was in and um, I'm worried if she's gonna be able to compete right. when she when she when she goes to one of those major universities 
with kids who have been coming home with computers probably since they were in the first grade. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's just so much. It is so much. But going, I, I, I just want to be intentional this year about moving forward. Mm -hmm. I, I want to be very intentional. I want to be strategic. I want to make sure that, um, you know, I'm doing what I'm assigned to do. That's right. That's all. I'm, in 2019, I want to make sure I don't want to miss any golden opportunities because I'm frustrated, aggravated, and all that goes along with that or dealing with, um, you know, community, you know, operating on burnout. That's something we need to talk about yes, sir. because burnout actually exists, especially when you're pulling and you're pulling and you're pulling and trying to help. A lot of times people sometimes that seem like they don't want to go. You just can't fix people. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. There's relationships built, relationship building that we have to do. And I think a lot of our work is people trusting us to do what we say we're gonna do yeah. and not and be and be like a be professional about it, you know, confidentiality. We ain't gonna go out and talk that's about right. what people got going on. So that's the kind of thing that we have to do as uh, as leaders. And that's kind of hard with the people that who aren't trained and 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 aren't don't understand that they shouldn't say something, you know, out of order. And that it, and we have volunteers, so a lot of our volunteers aren't we aren't they aren't getting paid. So we get what we get. So those those challenges, I just, I just worry if what would happen if if something happened to me that I had to leave men and women, I would definitely feel uh, I would be afraid. Um, I don't think we really have anybody in the pipeline to, that will just take right off where we're from, where we're at, and 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 move right on like you weren't there. Um, if we did, I would help them. Yeah, because, uh, uh, is it Z Smith Reynolds? They have this sabbatical. I've been told several times about the sabbatical. They say, well, okay, you got to leave and you can't, you, you got to leave and rest and rejuvenate and, um, and not even be at work at all. Don't take phone calls or anything. And when that was offered to me, I was like, no way I could do that. Yeah. Who am I going to leave in charge? There's a lot of stress behind this work. And uh, I wouldn't want to set my staff up for that. Yeah. You know, I, I'll probably maybe talk to my board chair about it, but there's no way I could go a year and rest because I wouldn't rest. I don't know your thoughts on that, Sean, but I couldn't rest. Well, that's a thought. It's a good thought. <laughs> it's a good thought, but, you know. You I, need I, to rest. I, but, yeah, but I'm like you. But, yeah. you know, um, <laughs> okay, so I had this young lady. Um, what was the subject? I can't think of it right now. Um, but it's basically dealing with with being burnout. Yeah. Operating in um in in um, burnout in, mode. In, in burnout mode. Mm -hmm. And what she talked about, um, I'm about to get it. What what she talked about when she came to do uh public speaking for us, she came and she talked about how sometimes you can be the problem. And she got everybody else. And so as long as she was getting them, I was fine. I was like, yeah, tell them. Let them know. I wanted you to, I mean, you're batting a thousand. Right. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm just with her. Yeah. And then she turns around and flipped it. And she says, sometime you can be the problem. Right. You're there. 
You're yeah. doing this work, yeah. you know, and you're hindering the next person from stepping up and doing. And she looked at it at that approach. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, hmm, well, maybe so. And so sometimes we have to know when to let go. We have to let have to know when to release and let go. And as if Z Smith Reynolds is, is saying that, I would right. love to hear that. Right. If they if 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 that's what they're saying, I would love to know more about that. Letting go and allowing myself time to rejuvenate right. so I can get back in the race and get back in there. Or there's things that can fall through the crack mm -hmm. because we're frustrated. Right. Right. We're tired. We're on burnout. Family tired. Everybody is tired because our mindset mm -hmm. is to we gotta do this. We gotta we gotta do that. Right. You gotta do that. My wife loves it when I just take time and me and her go on a sabbatical and I don't answer the phone. She loves that. Actually, she loves me, but <laughs> she loves that when we do that. Yeah. But you know, most of the time it's meetings on Saturday morning. It's something. Every day, almost yeah. right. trying. If it's not for dislocated and displaced workers, mm -hmm. then it's for ministry, yeah. um, youth. It is something. It is something all the time. Yeah. And me and you have to be there. I think I'm just as guilty of it. Um, maybe the reason we don't have somebody in the pipeline is because I haven't been strategic enough in bringing somebody in. Yeah. Now I have may take taking a couple steps and uh, talk with some uh, consultants for lack of a better word who will come do board training and different things and maybe come up with a succession plan i really think that's something that needs to take place every organization should have just like just like the fine because we haven't even talked about funding issues you know having enough money to do what we need to do but i think between funding and having a plan should something happened that we need to have another person step right in and just take right off from where the ED is, having an interim. I think we don't take enough time. And I, I think also, just hearing what you just said, that, and that just made perfect sense to me, that I could be the problem. Mm. And maybe sit back and I need to reevaluate with my board. I think right now we got some upcoming trainings on finances. Um, and one of the things that um, the facilitator can do for us is uh, talk about roles and responsibilities. And then, you know, have you been evaluated lately? Like, who's evaluating your work? Is the board evaluating? I'm like, hmm, I haven't had evaluation in a year or so. So how do I know how well I'm performing? I don't have anything in writing that says, well, you're doing like a super job and these are the things you might need to improve on. I guess being more intentional about things like that, being more intentional in 2019 will include a lot of different things. Not wow. doing what you want to do, but <laughs> maybe what, what other people can do for us that we can't see for ourselves. Mm. Um, and I'm fortunate. I got a great board chair. He, you know, he's don't mind the motivating people about fundraising different things but as far as like like um sitting me down and pinning me down because i'm always running like no you need to sit down and give me two hours of your time and you tell me everything and i want to know how you're feeling too 
and all that other stuff. So I think we might need that for self-preservation. Uh, so that sense of accountability is is very important. And um, I think you know, as mayor and as um, and still, I have I have never released the title of program director. I would quickly put program director on a letter just as soon as I would mayor. But um, that sense of accountability is something that we definitely need. But you want to be accountable to people that care, and that's a whole other issue. That who who cares what you do. Right. Who cares until it's in their backyard? Mm -hmm. You know, oh, yeah. yeah. Unless it's happening in their backyard, the work that you do, I don't know. It's rural work. It's a wonderful work. It's it's exciting. You know, I love it and I'm passionate about it. I would like to be. Um, I would like to do it more effective. Right. Right. I want to be more effective and efficient. But you know, yes, it's, it's, it has its challenges. Well, you know, Sean, I've actually enjoyed this conversation. Me too. This has and been awesome. I do think we need to do more of this. I really appreciate your time coming in and at the, at the spur of the moment. Thank and, you. And Thank you. And chatting with me, yes. helping a brother out. All right. I appreciate it. I have enjoyed it. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to The Nonprofit Experience. If you like what you hear, please support our work. You can rate us on iTunes, share us with a friend, and donate to the project at go.ncsu.edu forward slash give to PJ. TNE is a project of the Philanthropy Journal. Our managing editor is Sandy Sear. Our graduate editor is Kristen Gullihue. Our graduate assistant editor is Preston Whitworth. And our multimedia producer is David Mueller. This episode was produced by David Mueller, who also wrote our theme music. For more information on this and other episodes, visit us at philanthropyjournal.org. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at The Nonprofit Experience and subscribe to the show via iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play.